Very fundamentally, in organizational psychology, there are three things that teams need. They need to have a sense of competence, that they're able to execute what they're doing. They need to have a sense of autonomy, that they're able to make their own decisions. And they need to have a strong sense of relatedness. People who are creators, I feel that they are the people who are very passionate about what they do. And having these people in the right place is something that will definitely make the world a better place because then the companies are going to be creating the products that care. Hello and welcome to Shine, a podcast by Star. I'm your host, Tom Hunt, and today we have a slightly different type of episode. We are joined by startup founder and chief product officer, Nick Black, and also Star's very own Orla Detyorova, Deputy Head of Product Management here at Star to illuminate how to hire product managers. This is a big challenge that a lot of companies, whether startups, larger agencies, etc., are facing as we move into 2022. So we brought together these two powerhouses of product management in order to try to understand how to structure a product management team, what interview questions should be asked and what the difference is between a product manager and a product owner. So let's jump right now into that discussion. And the first voice you'll hear will be that of Nick Black. So I founded a tech company in London in 2005, which is a very long time ago. There wasn't much tech going on. And after I managed somehow to raise an A round, my investors said, hey, Nick, we think you should be head of product. So I went back home and I Googled, what does a head of product do? What is product management? And that was in 2006, 2007. And that set me on a journey the last 13, 14 years of still trying to answer that question. So over that time, I built a product organization of about 25 people, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews hiring product managers, product designers, and researchers. So I hope to share a little bit of that today. 16 years of experience. <laughs> You're really dating me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Ola, and over to you, please. Yeah, I actually have a digital marketing background prior to joining Star. And Star was my first job as a product manager. I managed to grow here from a junior to co-heading a product management department right now, and also being a project lead on one of our largest projects at the moment. I think one of the uh, cool things is that I managed to work in over 10 projects over these last five years, and probably more if you include all of the discovery projects and in different spheres, the IoT, healthcare, and ad tech primarily. And also the fun thing is that our product management department is currently over 30 people, and we grew I think by 30 plus percent just over the last year. So this is unprecedented growth for the product management department. And the topic of hiring product managers uh, has never been more relevant for us. Incredible. Okay, so let's jump right into the first question. What kind of product manager would a startup or organization need for their first product manager? And Nick, I'd like to go to you first, please. So I break this down into three things. Firstly, the first thing is to figure out what is the next major milestone you need to hit. And what I've noticed in my own organization and in the companies that I work with today, the companies that are super clear on what do we need to achieve next? Are we trying to launch our product? Are we trying to go from our first 10 users to find product market fit? Or are we trying to scale globally? Those are three very different things. So firstly, figuring out what is your milestone and that will then lead you to what type of product manager you need for that. 
The second thing you want to layer onto that is what type of a founder are you? Are you commercial sales driven? You want to be with customers. You want to spend all your time with the customers. You're non-technical. Are you very, very technical, but not very consumer focused? Or are you a, a product founder, someone who with experience of product management? And kind of knowing yourself is going to help you choose what type of product manager, how much experience you need. But no matter what you choose, your first product manager is going to be somebody who can understand your customers. So that drives a need for a high EQ, high empathy, ability to listen, ability to interpret customer feedback and turn that into a, a really solid problem description. They're then going to need to be able to go out and discover solutions to problems. That's both with the customer and that's also working with your tech teams to create those solutions. And finally, they've got to be really good at finding fit. So like methodically cranking through experiment after experiment until you find the breakthrough moment. A very comprehensive answer. Answering the question with a question, I think in this case was very effective. You said that first we have to understand what our milestone, if we need to understand what kind of product manager we need. I want to pass this over to Orla quickly to get your opinion on the difference almost between a first product manager for a different type of business, right? So Nick obviously answered from his extensive experience in the world of startups, but obviously started more of a, a product, well, a professional services company. Do you think it differs uh, in the first product manager you would need? I'd like to start with uh, basically backing up everything that Nick said, <laughs> totally aligned on that. And I think just being a product manager, you always start with a question. <laughs> That's just kind of the core of what you do in anything. And hiring a product manager is not any different from that. What is the goal? Uh, why you're doing that? What is the internal setup? Who are you working with? And, and I think one of the questions, an additional question that we are asking ourselves as a professional service technology company is not just who we need, you know, as a product manager for Star, but who we need as a product manager for our customers. Because that's kind of we are trying always to accomplish these two goals at the same time. We are hiring a person, you know, for our company, but we are also always looking for people for specific projects. And it's never just for a specific project or just for a company, right? We are trying to find a person who can, who can satisfy different needs. And I assume that some of the things that we would require are slightly different. Maybe some of the things that are more important for a startup or a product company which are very focused in one topic, in one domain, in one specific sphere, they would require maybe probably more in-depth knowledge in a certain uh, in certain spheres, right? Versus we value probably much more flexibility and this cross-domain experience and cross-domain knowledge that a person may have. Because we understand that the person may have to switch projects, may have to switch domains, have has to adjust very, very quickly to any circumstance, to any stage of a product uh, on, on its product development uh, phases. And we do value these these qualities that allow you know the person to be able that to be to be that flexible to be able to work in different environments to be able to work with a small company and with a large company with uh, a lot of rules and with none rules right with uh, with different types of diversity uh, with scaled business versus something which is very very early uh, stage and we we do value that and we are looking for that kind of experience in people and that kind of mindset if that makes sense. It makes total sense. Should this first hire, first product management hire be 
a product owner or manager? I guess my first uh, question to a question <laughs> and this one mm. as well is uh, how do we define the product owner? Because I feel like there are different definitions of a product owner. There is a scrum or agile definition of a product owner as a person who is managing a backlog and tasks and mostly working with the delivery team and not really making any major decisions, uh, especially around strategy. Ola, sorry, on that, to help educate me, like that role in Scrum, that's a role, right? It's yeah. not necessarily a person. Yeah, so it's yeah. like a job that you do, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. But that may be a person, right? That may be a specific role yeah. or that may be, may be a specific job, right? Depending on the on the size of a business and the size of a project. But that may be a role that someone is doing. You're, you're exactly right. But we do often get a lot of confusion when we are talking to certain businesses, uh, especially those who are um, maybe less acquainted with Scrum and Agile, because the perception of the word owner, right, it kind of means that you are owning <laughs> the decisions or owning product strategy uh, versus in Scrum, you don't. So... What are we talking here about? The product manager who is making decisions or a product owner who is uh, managing the backlog? Yeah, I can carry kind of add a bit to that because I think that definition is really important. And clearly you need a product owner. You need somebody who is going to be looking after the backlog, prioritizing who's there every day to work with the development team, to work with the designers, the data scientists. You need somebody who has that kind of presence. But to me, the problem comes when you split that level of presence and focus on the product that's being built from the bigger question of the business problem, the value proposition, the business model, the experiments that are being run at the other end. And to me, the whole point of product management is that you align the problem that we're trying to solve, grow our business, engage users. You align that problem with one person who has the complete ability to understand the problem and the solution space. And I've experimented a lot with this because it can be hard to find great product managers who can own that full domain. But I've never seen any evidence of anyone, particularly in a startup environment where things are moving quickly, I've never seen good evidence of anyone managing to successfully split that and have one type of product manager dealing with customers and market and another one dealing with the backlog. I think it kind of comes back to what I said before around knowing what type of a founder you are. So if you're a really product-driven founder and you have genuine insights into your customer, so I don't mean like a gut feeling, but genuine insights, you know, you've been working in that industry for 15 years, you have a PhD in the area, and you know about product management and you love coaching people and developing people, then you can have a model where you have more junior product managers and you help um, grow them throughout, you, you know, you train them and grow them. But there are far fewer founders out there who really enjoy coaching and training and enabling people than there are who just want to execute and get stuff done. Yeah, I feel like from our experience, uh, and we work with so many different setups, right? Because we have different customers, different products and different projects, different sizes, again, as I mentioned. So, and we also have one more player in that game. We have a customer and customer may have a product manager on their own and they can be making their own decisions and they may not. They may have a set of stakeholders that are making certain decisions that we need to collaborate with. So we can either support them by having a product manager on our side who is a little bit more involved with the delivery side of the business and working with the development team and basically being that, that link <laughs> between the customer and the product strategy and the development and delivery. 
But we also have very many cases where in case there is no, you know, single product manager on a customer side, we are taking over that role and we're collaborating and facilitating some of the decision making that they may have and kind of supporting them in what they do, uh, especially for discoveries, especially for early stage startups, especially for proof of concept uh, projects where we can have a team of people here, including strategy and product managers, supporting that level kind of product vision and early stage. But we also have very, very large projects that and products that may have a bunch of different teams and a bunch of different scrum teams in them. And in those scenarios, it's inevitable that you are having product owners or business analysts supporting product managers with this day-to-day delivery. Because with that amount of uh, work and scope and stuff that needs to be done, you can very easily get lost in the routine and in these daily tasks of managing requirements and supporting the delivery and then lose the focus of the big picture. So we do need to divide uh, these roles a little bit. But I'd still say that any business analyst or any product owner should understand why they are doing that, right? So it's still not just backlog management. There is a lot of involvement and collaboration in some of the pieces which are around defining the strategy and priorities. It's not that someone is just giving you the priorities and you are ready to go (laughs) with the backlog. Yeah, I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this concept, which I think we may be getting closer to the definition of a product owner. And you both mentioned it. It's that this person, the person responsible for the product, the owner, must have the insight of the customer and also be managing the backlog. And Nick, you said that you've never found that to be multiple people. That has to be one person in a business. Is that right? Yes, that's what I found. Okay. So, and that person you would call a product owner? No. So I think Orla's definition of product owner in the Scrum sense is a very correct one. There's a methodology how you manage backlogs, and within that, people play roles, and one of the roles is product owner. But the difference between a role and a job title is you can inhabit multiple different roles. Sometimes you may play the role of a salesperson, sometimes you play the role of a product manager, right? But fundamentally, most of the time when I... So if we go back a bit, right? Why was Where did the term product manager enter the lexicon in Europe? It was in enterprises in Europe that had figured out that in the US and Silicon Valley companies, they had these things, product managers, who were driving so much the success and growth in tech. This back like 10, 20 years ago. These big enterprises wanted to get in on some of this, but they didn't want to give full business responsibility to one person because they felt the business units need to own the business. And tech is basically just IT who delivers solutions to the business unit. So they created product owners who would go and ask their stakeholders what the stakeholders needed. And the business people who were the experts in the business would say what was needed. And you had these product owners who would translate that into requirements. That complete, I mean, whether that has worked or not, I don't know. That's not the area I get involved with. In startups, that's just never going to work. You know, the idea that there's one person who can define all of the requirements. You're dealing with a startup, which is, you know, most things are unknown and uncertain. And things are changing incredibly quickly. Something you think you know today, you talk to five more customers and you have a completely different way of seeing it. So the ability of a startup to learn quickly, right, and to to learn and adapt to the market is one of the big things that creates success. The way you grow quickly in a startup is by learning quickly. If you put multiple people in between the source of learning and executing the learning, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to massively decrease the efficiency. 
So that's one functional reason. But the, the second reason I see when people do say this, oh, you know, we don't have much budget, so we'll get a lower cost product owner in and the founder will essentially tell them what to do. If they're a good person, if they have what it takes to become a really good product manager, they're very quickly going to realize that they would like to be a product manager. They're going to ask for a pay rise and you're going to have to give them one or they're going to go and they're going to ask for full responsibility and you're going to have to give it to them or they're going to go. The type of people in startups who hang around as product owners grooming backlogs without having responsibility for the business outcomes, they tend to not be the best product managers. And in a startup, you need a team of absolute A players. Everybody needs to be amazing. I, I second that. I think one of the one of the differences where we, for instance, have more business analysts and product owners as star is because we work both with star startups and enterprise. So I do agree with that the business analyst and product owner role is more for the enterprise projects that we have. I would also argue that there are different kinds of startups, right? There is a 10-person startup and there is 800-person <laughs> startup, yeah, mm -hmm. which grew yeah. very, very quickly. And I think it's then a matter of, okay, how do you scale the business and how do you scale all of your teams, not just the product manager yeah. role, right? And I think yeah, that's another and my, large, interesting topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and without you know making the whole show about definitions, I think <laughs> yeah. a useful definition of a startup is is that it's an organization in search of a business model. You know, it's Steve Blank's definition from back in the day. Once you've found a scalable, repeatable business model, you're not a startup anymore. You're a business on the way to becoming an enterprise, and then things are quite different. Got it. I want to move on to now structuring product teams. So the mm. question is, high level, how should we structure an effective product team? And this is purposefully open to allow you guys to share your, your opinions from different contexts. So Nick, let's start with you. So at very fundamentally in organizational psychology, there are three things that teams need. They need to have a sense of competence, that they're able to execute what they're doing. They need to have a sense of autonomy, that they're able to make their own decisions. And they need to have a strong sense of relatedness, both to each other in the team and relatedness to other people within their organization. So these things has been you know, really well documented in both academic psychology and Google and other big tech companies that are massive experiments with this. So you're looking to get competence, autonomy, and relatedness into any team. That's the foundations. When we get a bit more specific, how do we actually do this in a product team? I generally look to have a product manager. The product manager owns the value proposition, the business model, most of the definition of the experiments which are being run, and to a certain extent, prioritization of the backlog. You then have a tech lead. And a lot of the startups I see in the UK are really missing out on having strong tech leads. You know, this tech lead is like the emissary of the tech team. You know, ideally, I would have all of my engineers in every customer discovery meeting I ever do so that they can hear the voice of the customer. But someone does have to write some code as well. So that's not really practical. But your tech lead is somebody who can come to the meetings with customers, who can listen to the interviews, who understands the business problems. But they're the people who can also translate to you, the product manager, and say, hey, so that solution you're cooking up over here, if we just did it this way, it'd be way, way quicker. You know, we could do it in three days, not three weeks. And I find those, those breakthroughs are super important. So a tech lead, really, really important. Then typically you have also a product designer. A product designer is often quite misunderstood. This is not just somebody who used to be a UI designer and has done a few courses. This is somebody who really gets things like customer discovery, 
How do we interview customers? How do we get inside their heads? How do we build value propositions? How do we run experiments to validate that our um, design ideas um, are right or wrong? Then often a data scientist. But typically you're looking for this kind of troika of product manager, tech lead designer. They're a really close-knit team. You know, the teams I've worked on when I've been quite functional sort of doing the product manager role, you just have this amazing relationship where you kind of know what each other are thinking. You can anticipate what you're going to say. And the roles blur away. You know, the, the suddenly you're in these meetings and the difference between tech lead designer and product manager kind of goes away. You're all focused on this goal and you're all throwing in your own ideas and your own perspectives. So I'd love to hear some of what Ola is saying as well. So No, I think that's a great and almost textbook-like definition of what an ideal <laughs> product team should look like. I would just add another kind of layer to it, uh, that when we are looking for larger product teams, when there are there is more than one product person, after all, in the setup, there is also something else that we are looking for. We basically understand that the knowledge tree for a product manager is enormous and it keeps growing all the time, right? So there are so many things that a product manager is supposed to or expected to know and to learn and uh, in the spheres where he should be knowledgeable and it's almost impossible now to find it in one person. So I feel like when we are building those teams, we are also looking for complementary skills and knowledge from different people to make sure that when we kind of put that puzzle together, the, the people puzzle together, we have some people who are stronger, I don't know, in a tech sphere, we know that someone is a bit stronger in analytics, we know that someone is more skilled in strategy and research. And in that way, first of all, the team all together, they grow at the same time, right? Because they learn new things from one another, but we also complement uh, each other and bring more value to the team overall. So this is kind of another layer that we're looking for, but I like your definition yeah. as well. <laughs> you know, that, that's made me think of one of the hot questions that's always asked around product management in startups, which is the role of domain expertise, you know, how important is it that my startup, my product manager is an expert in financial services or an expert in AI or an expert in something else? And I, I don't know, I empathize a little bit. I see the points of some of those arguments. If you're operating in a highly regulated industry and you need to get your product out there, it's helpful if you have someone who understands those regulations. But at a practical level, I've seen no correlation whatsoever between the domain expert product managers and the ones who really get product management. And I think the problem is, if as someone put it to me the other day, um, they said, you know, look, when I'm interviewing these uh, candidates, I have three 30-minute opportunities to tell who they are, and then I'm supposed to make a call on this person who's driving my, who's going to be, you know, driving my product. So if you Put the focus of your interview on interrogating someone to know whether they know everything about financial services regulation, you're going to answer that question. You're going to find out whether they do or don't. If you put all of the focus of your interview on figuring out, can this person get product market fit? Do they know how to do it? Have they done it before? Are they a team player? Do they know how to work with developers? You're going to answer that question. And I just believe that having a positive answer to that question is more predictive of success of the team. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's a really important insight, I think, for anyone listening with regarding hiring product managers. Yeah, Nick said that he didn't see the correlation between the, the sometimes the expertise, like the, the deep expertise, right? And the good job to be done. And I would I would second that. And I would say that I've seen the opposite. I've seen that the coolest ideas 
grow on the intersection of different domains, uh, expertise on cross kind of functional expertise, etc. I feel like when the experience is diverse, it uh, may bring much more to a product manager. It brings constant learning and brings constant ideation because you are dealing with different things in different domains and they may bring you some amazing ideas on how to implement something very unusually. <laughs> so I feel like this is super important, uh, not just for our type of business, but for any kind of startup. Yeah. And it goes broader than hiring. You know, it's this, it's the old adage of when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like if you've spent the last 20 years doing a very traditional type of marketing and you're presented with a startup problem, you're going to assume that it is, can be solved at the top of the funnel with ads and optimization and different spend. If you've been a product manager in a big enterprise for 20 years and you're presented with a problem, you're going to think it's about you need to build more features or improve the UI. But the reality in startups is you have to bring people with different divergent, diverse viewpoints and experiences into the room and then solve the actual problem. But I just, Tom, want to give one more thought on team structure, because this is a, a really big one that a lot of people get wrong, that the way you scale a product team successfully is you have this kind of troika of your product manager, your product designer, your tech lead, and then you have your engineering team who work with them. They've got to be ring fenced. So they've got to be 100% focused on one problem. It's not like you can't come into work one day and the CTO borrows the best, you know, engineer for this project because we're out of React Native developers. Like that's just not going to cut it. That doesn't work. People need to be focused on one problem. That problem needs to be expressed as a KPI. So there needs to be one metric that the team is chasing. You know, that for example, the percent of users who activate each week. So imagine that's all you think about as a product team. So okay, well, 25% of the cohort activated last week. Let's see if we can get it to 27. Let's see if we can get it to 29. What experiments are we going to run? And when you have that type of focus, you can parallelize that. You can have any number of teams with these very specific focuses. If your product managers are getting genuinely overwhelmed, there's too much to do, what can you do? Well, you can narrow the focus of the team. You, <laughs> so you have more product managers with a narrower focus. So that is, you know, you can really see the picture, right? That's literally how you put more wood behind fewer arrows. And of course, above that, you have a North Star metric. So everybody is aligned on one North Star metric. So we're not all going in different directions. We're all converging on one behavioral metric, which we're driving. Awesome insights from all of you. It's like a, an avalanche of product management <laughs> expertise coming with every question. Now, I want to go back to, we touched briefly on interview strategy. I know that both of you have either run or been in many product management interviews. What would you say is the most effective interview question you have ever asked? One very simple one. I actually asked my product management community right at Star because I was like, okay, what was the most uh, interesting question that you've ever got on an interview? I've got some fun answers there. But I think the one that I really enjoy myself and I think it's basically the essence of anything that you ask within the interview is very simple and it's why. <laughs> And it can apply to anything, right? Uh, whether uh, it's certain decisions that a person has made around the product in past experiences. And generally, I value past experience questions a lot because I think that they bring up the, the actual uh, stuff, <laughs> right? The actual yeah. expertise, the the reality, the truth 
not just the theory, right? But they highlight the actions of a person and they are super useful for behavioral questions, but also for the expertise questions. But then you go deeper and you ask whys. And uh, it's almost the five whys uh, rule, right? That you can apply on an interview as well. And you can go very deep in understanding and seeing if a person really knew what they were doing and if they were asking the question on why they were doing certain things. I feel like this is super important for a product manager to ask whys in their everyday life and to be able to answer some of the whys. Yeah, I like that approach. I'd say, so I split interviews into three sections. The first thing I want to do is understand the personality of the person and their values. For personality, I use Ocean, the big five personality traits, open-mindedness, and so on. Um, For values, I look at the behaviors of the company that is hiring them. So what are the sort of five to 10 behaviors? And then can the product manager prove to me that they have exhibited those behaviors in the past? Then what I do is, uh, and this is, I think, the most valuable question, I do an experience-based deep dive. So if the milestone of the company is fine product market fit, if the milestone is we needed to hire a chief product officer in Europe so we can scale globally, it's very simple. You say, when was the last time you scaled the product globally? And then you just interrogate that. What happened? What was the outcome? Who did you do it with? What was your team like? What support did you get? What did you learn? So you're both figuring out what kind of a person are they? Are they someone who can learn from their mistakes? Are they humble? Do they recognize the input that their team has given them? but you're also trying to figure out, are they telling the complete truth? And this principle of anchoring, where you ask someone to reference something that's happened in the past and then dig into questions about it, it's exactly the same principle you use in user interviews. You know, If you're doing research for a product, people love telling stories and we just naturally make stuff up and we have these false memories we make. If you really try and anchor people onto a specific thing, specific time when you scale the product globally, and then ask them the questions, you can get really useful info. The third and final thing I do is a simulated workshop. So whatever your work, your working style is in the company, you do a sort of a brainstorm, a strategy session, a design session, backlog management. It doesn't really matter. You just want to see how will this person really work. And often I see in that what founders will often do is they'll try and put on their best side. You know, they'll be particularly jolly and happy and come in and be really conversational or something. I just try and get people to be natural. You know, you've got to be completely yourself. And then you want to see how the product manager behaves when you're being yourself. Awesome answer. I like that. I can actually, the the second point I think that you brought up is around the values and uh, the people that you're looking for. And I think that's one of the things which is, I don't know, it's a secret sauce to how we are hiring to star, Mm. right? Alignment to our star DNA, what we are calling star DNA, a set of values and principles that we expect the people to have because it's the core of what our people are, right? And I mean, you've worked with us, you probably know a little bit around it, right? And how high certain expectations are uh, specifically around values and around how proactive people have to be, how they need to care, even though it's a professional service company, right? How how much they care about what they do. So we have these mm-hmm. set of principles and values that we are also trying to cross-check a person to fit in. And I feel that this and soft skills, as you mentioned before, uh, some of the things are much more important often than than the hard skills that you can easily yeah. gain. Yeah. So we've been quite specific and almost actionable with most of our questions. Now for this final question, I'd like to go a bit more high level. It's a question we ask at the end of every episode of Shine, and that is how does hiring better 
product managers ultimately make the world a better place? And Orla, I know you have a good answer for this one, so I'd like to go to you first. I think it's very easy for me because I think that uh, product managers are the people who are creators. I feel that they are the people who are very passionate about what they do. And they are the driving force behind so many things, <laughs> including product and teams and everything else. And having these people in the right place, doing the right job, having enough freedom to do decision making, to do certain things around team management, uh, to do a lot of ideation, uh, being passionate about what they do is something that will definitely make the world a better place because then the companies are going to be creating the products that care, right? Not just the products that have to achieve certain things, but, but the products that care. So I feel that the product manager's role is huge in this and having the right people doing the right job is uh, super important <laughs> and will ultimately make the world a better place. Yeah. We're living in an age where we're witnessing software taking over everything, right? And the product manager's role is pivotal in that. And there is not going to be an industry left on the face of the earth in 20 years' time that is not driven by software. I think having product managers with a very strong moral compass, a strong sense of what is right and what is wrong, who really deeply care about the people they're serving is undoubtedly going to make the world a better place and will stop the world from becoming a worse place. Wow. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Amazing. Guys, I think we probably could have gone for like double the time and still like got yeah. like the same <laughs> quality of wisdom from each of you. Nick, specifically, the biggest insight for me here from you was about arranging or focusing the whole of your product management team on this one metric and mm -hmm. uh, doing that will reduce their overwhelm but increase their focus. So that was an awesome insight. Or I love your point in the final question about how having more more passionate and effective product managers is going to improve the products and therefore improve the world. Finally, I'd love for each of you to share with the audience a little bit more about where people can find about you or your business. Nick, I know you're doing a lot of work in this space right now. So let's start with you. Yeah. So I'm working with startups, helping the founders and leadership teams align all of their organizations behind a single set of outcomes. So it starts with deciding what the company needs to do and then helping them structure their product teams so that they're delivering. You can find out more at nickblack.us. And that will be linked in and around wherever you're listening to this episode. Ola, over to you. It's very simple with me. It's my LinkedIn and also the Star blog <laughs> on our Star website where, where I have been contributing uh, from time to time in several industries. Yeah. And you guys are actively still hiring product managers? Oh, yes. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> if you are uh, listening to this as a product manager, you can reach out to Orla on LinkedIn. Again, that will be linked in around this episode. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this wisdom. I think it's been a super valuable episode on the question, hiring effective product managers. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Nick. Thank you, Orla. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shine, a podcast by Star. It's a slightly different style of episode, so we don't have a big theme or a big question to ask. But if you have any feedback about this style, this more actionable, specific type of episode, then please do let us know in the form of an Apple podcast rating and review. I would like to thank Nick and Orla for jumping on 
and sharing everything they've learned over the many years in the world of product management. And of course, I want to thank you 